Well, Merry Christmas. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we are glad you're with us. Uh, on this special day, as we anticipate tomorrow morning, Christmas morning, as a kid, the Christmas Eve was just this, uh, just this night of anticipation for me. I remember as a kid, and uh, it's still that way, even as a parent and as an adult, just this anticipation of, of what's to come tomorrow morning. Um, and we've been, uh, we've been in the series called On Display, uh, especially during the Christmas season, we continually see uh, things on display, whether it be the lighting on houses that are set to music. We just saw one this last week that would put Griswolds to shame. Uh, we saw one in Washington, and hopefully maybe that's your house. I don't know. Uh, but we saw one, took the kids there. Uh, we, or, or you see uh, things on display in stores or online for us to purchase and, and buy. And so we, we're taking that theme, that idea of on display, and playing off that and talking about what of God's nature and character do we see on display in the Christmas story? What of his attributes, what truths are on display or revealed in the story? And today I want to talk about how we see God's pursuit of us on display in the Christmas story. Uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I noticed this girl in my uh, algebra class. Uh, she sat in the front row or sat in the row in front of me a couple desks over and I I loved this girl's smile. I loved her laugh. Uh, she seemed really fun to be around. I didn't know much about her, but I knew enough of her looks that I knew I wanted to flirt with her, and so I did that. And um, at the time, I thought I was a pretty smooth operator. Uh, like, smooth operator. Some of you know this song. Um, some of you others don't. You need to YouTube it. Um, but, but looking back, I highly doubt that that was truly the, the reality. Uh, it was probably just in my head. She was probably just being kind to me and uh, thinking, what a doofus. I'll just... Um, be kind to him and not crush his little spirit. And so, okay, then fast forward to my junior year. This girl uh, caught my eye again. Uh, I was uh, asking a friend for advice on who I should ask out, uh, and he strongly suggested this girl that I got to know in freshman algebra. And we were in chorus together. We did some stuff together. Uh, we were, it was fun to hang out. And so I asked her out on a date. And after checking with her parents, uh, she said yes. On December 26, 1992, almost 20 years ago to the day, uh, I, be I began pursuing this girl. We went to Monocles on our first date, went to a movie. Uh, the pizza was good. The uh, movie was, eh, it was so good. It wasn't great. It was okay. Um, but, uh, but it didn't really matter to me because I got to be with this girl. I got to, be, you know, spend time with her. I knew she liked music from Journey. So on one of her first few dates, she claims it was the first one. I don't know if it was the first one. Um, I, I beg to differ on that one. But um, I brought the cassette tape. And some of you don't know what that cassette tape is. And I'm going to use words that you're going to have to Wikipedia here in the next paragraph because you're not sure what I'm talking about. But I brought a cassette tape of, uh, that I had of Journey because I knew she liked Journey. And so I had it queued up to the song. You don't know what the verb queued up means, uh, but that's all right. Uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. But we had it queued up to Faithfully. And on the, on the drive home, I casually popped that into the tape deck. Now, I don't care who you are, but that is smooth. That is smooth. <laughs> And we have two kids as a result. And um, <clears throat> All right, so uh, now listen. If some Yahoo does that to my daughter, though, we will have words, okay? Um, we will. And uh, I will have all the words. He will have all the ears to hear. And may he hear what I have to say. But that's another message for another day, more of a devotional message. And, um, and he'll probably use an iPod, and he'll probably just verbally say it at that point, like, journey faithfully. And he won't even have to touch anything. It'll just cue up to that song. But this is an example, for those of you who don't know, this is a cassette tape, and we still have one sitting around. This is a, a mixtape that I made for um, this girl, which um, is my wife now. But um, I made, made for uh, Heather back in high school. 
I will not list some of these songs that are on here because it's just, it just dates us and whatever. But this is a pencil. Now, some of you know how these two go together. Others of you do not. You need to ask somebody at Christmas, tonight or tomorrow. This can save your mixtape. When your little somebody has gotten a hold of the tape, that will save it. All right. But in short, I began pursuing this girl. Uh, I bought her gifts. I wrote the notes. I set aside the time. I planned the dates. I listened. I talked. And I began chasing this girl named Heather. And my life took on a new direction ever since then. Uh, like I said, 20 years, uh, we'll celebrate 20 years, I guess, dating and engagement and married here in a couple days. Uh, she's the one who led me to Jesus. She's the mother of our two kids. And she's the woman I still love to come home to and spend time with uh, any possible minute I have. And here's one thing we know from the Christmas story, one truth of his nature that is revealed on display uh, that at Christmas we are reminded that God pursues us for relationship so that, we, so that we might receive salvation. He is relentless, unyielding, and persistent in his pursuit. His pursuit of his creation has been happening ever since the beginning of time. So let's start there. We have to take a step back here and not just skip to the chapter on the birth of Christ because God's story doesn't begin there. Too often we, we read scripture, but we miss kind of the grander story, the grander narrative of, of, of the grander story, of the overarching story here of God and what he is doing. And Christmas is a perfect example of that. We love to talk about baby Jesus, but we often miss the magnitude of this moment in history or that, uh, or that Jesus didn't remain a baby or we miss that he is eternal, he is preeminent, that he was there in the beginning. So in the beginning, God creates. And we know from the first couple chapters in the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, that God creates the heavens and the earth. And then the Lord forms man and breathes life into him. And then out of man, God forms woman. And man and woman, Adam and Eve, you and me, all of humanity, we've been created in the image and likeness of God. And in the beginning, God was perfect. Uh, or, I'm sorry, creation was perfect, beautiful. There's no strife, no hurt, no death, no conflict. Adam and Eve enjoy unhindered relationship with one another and with their creator. But then in Genesis 3, that all changes. The fall happens. Sin enters the world for the first time. Adam and Eve choose to do life their way instead of God's way. And God's perfect, beautiful creation is fractured and broken. Creation has rebelled against and betrayed its creator. And this might be a, an odd question to consider on Christmas Eve, but but think back to a situation in your life where someone has betrayed you. Maybe they betrayed your confidence or your trust. They gossiped about you, uh, slandered your character. Maybe it's a spouse that was unfaithful to you or a coworker that said one thing but then did another. And I know that questioning kind of stirs up emotions that you typically don't want to think about at Christmas, and I'm not trying to fertilize a bitter root here. But I think we too often miss how we, you and me, each of us, all of humanity, that we have betrayed our Creator God. God the Creator gives us freedom, beauty, love, but ever since Adam and Eve, we each have chosen to reject and betray God, to turn from His ways and His love, and in a sense say to God, I'll do this my way. Isaiah 53, 6, the first part of this verse says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Our hearts naturally want to lead us away from, from Christ. We wander like sheep away from our great shepherd, our holy and loving and perfect and beautiful creator. 
If you're a parent or you've been around kids at all, you know this truth because you've seen it happen. You might have even seen it happen earlier today. That moment where your child is walking away from you and wa or walking towards something dangerous or, or walking toward a present that they are not to unwrap yet, all right? And, 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 you're, and you're saying, Johnny, come back. Come back here. Come to Daddy. Come to Mommy. And little Johnny turns, looks at you, and keeps walking away. Or maybe they pick up their pace and they run from you like they're going to somehow outrun you with their little legs. Or maybe they look at you and freeze, kind of look at you out of the corner of their eye and hope that you will stop calling them back. And maybe they just kind of inch away from you, just slowly thinking, maybe he doesn't see me. Maybe she doesn't see me. Or maybe they, they do hear you and they turn, but they're going to come back to you at their own pace. Or they come back to you just kind of halfway. Like, I'm here. I'm just 10 feet from you, but I'm here. No, no matter what kind of child you are or you were or you have in your home or, or you see at Christmas, because, you know, it's not your kids. It's your nieces and nephews. I get that. It's not your kids, all right? It's not my kids. I, I'm not speaking from experience at all in this situ situation. But no one had to teach your child to do that. No one had to teach the child to unwrap the gift, clutch it, scream mine when their cousin or sibling is coming to play with it. All right? No one had to teach that. We are born with wayward hearts, with hearts that are prone to wander and stray and say to the God of the universe, I'll do this my way. I'll do this my way. And yet here at Christmas, we are reminded of God's pursuit of us, his quiet voice of truth whispering to us, sometimes shouting to us in our pain, come home, come to me. That even though we betray him, even though we reject his ways and his truth, he chooses to extend grace, love, and pursue us. And we're all still breathing in this room. That's a grace, evidence of his grace. He makes a way possible to bring the message of reconciliation to the very people who betrayed him. And then calls those same people, after they've been reconciled to him, to carry this good news to the rest of the world. I mean, how crazy is that? He doesn't say, I'll take the best and brightest. I'll take the top ten here, and I'll take the best. I'll take the whatever. He doesn't say that. He'll, he says, I'll take the humble and the surrendered. I'll take the broken, and I'll take the people that are humbled enough to be used for something greater than their own purposes. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21 talks all about this ministry of reconciliation. Think about how we would deal with betrayal. We tend to either respond with fight or flight. We think, oh yeah, you betrayed me? Oh yeah, okay. I'll show you how it's done. You hurt me, I can hurt you. And so we fight. Or we, or we experience flight. We just say, forget it. I'm through with this relationship. I'm through with this situation. I'm flying the coop. I'm out. But God responds differently to our betrayal. He responds with both truth and grace. This is another reason why you look at Scripture and you know it's God's Word. Because if man were to write this, if you and I were to write this, if we'd, if, if we'd come up with this, we'd never dream of a holy, righteous, perfect, beautiful God who owes His creation absolutely nothing. That kind of God, we'd never dream of Him pursuing an unholy, unrighteous, imperfect, broken people that have betrayed him. But this is the beautiful, life-changing truth at Christmas, that God so loved the world 
that he sent his one and only son to this earth to rescue us, to save us, to deliver us, to, to deliver us from our sin. So that whoever believes in him, believes in Christ, shall not perish but have everlasting life. Almighty God, the God who loves you, who knew you before your parents knew you, who knows everything about you and I. He is continually pursuing us for relationship to extend this free gift of salvation to us. You see this from the very start of Scripture. The story of the Old Testament is somewhat uh, of a continual rerun, somewhat like a Groundhog Day. People, uh, God's people love and serve and worship God fully, and then they walk away from God. And God brings judgment, and yet God extends grace, and the people return to God, and that it all kind of happens again and again. Adam and Eve sin and betray God, but God doesn't wipe them out and say, all right, I'm done with these humans. He banishes them from the garden. There are consequences to their sin, but then covered them and extended grace to them in that way. God still blesses them with children and generations that follow them. And on and on the story goes through the Old Testament. The people do what, are, what is right in their own eyes, Scripture tells us. They, re- they reject God's ways. God brings judgment for their sin, and yet God also extends grace to his people. Think of Jonah. He's literally running from God. He is that child that hears his parents' voice and starts running. What you think about it, it's kind of a uh, no-win, futile situation to run from an all-powerful, all-seeing, omnipresent God. But Jonah does it anyways. Jonah doesn't want to do what God tells him to do, so he just takes off running. And yet God chases him down. He pursues him, loves him enough not to just wipe him out like a bug, but actually uses the strangest of ways to bring him back to God, bring him back so that his life will fulfill God's purposes and not his own. What we see at Christmas is that our God initiates. He pursues. He sets into motion a plan of salvation and a Messiah to come, and we didn't deserve that. God could have easily said, our creation has, they've betrayed me, they've rejected my ways, we're done here. But he didn't. He extended grace and initiated a plan to to save people from judgment, which demonstrates his, his radical and unfailing love for you and me. 700 years before the birth of Christ, the prophet Isaiah writes this prophecy in the book of Isaiah Chapter 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The whole Old Testament is speaking of the promise to come, telling us that God through his Son will bring hope and restoration and salvation to all of humanity. Isaiah 53 is this prophecy telling us that this child spoken of in Isaiah 9, 6, will grow up and upon his shoulders all of humanity's sins will be laid. And through the death, through his death on the cross that we will find life and salvation. One of my favorite chapters in Scripture is Isaiah 53 and here's just a few verses from it. It says, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. 
By his wounds we are healed. Our sin that separates us from God has been laid upon Christ, the perfect one, God in the flesh, the only acceptable sacrifice because our God pursues his creation. And then the New Testament opens up with telling us that this promise that the Old Testament has been speaking of, that the Old Testament has been pointing us to, this promise has now come. The child has been born. The son has now been given. God has kept his promise and fulfilled it. Uh, Heather and I have been married for uh, 16 and a half years, and I'd like to say that I've always been very intentional about pursuing my wife, and I've always been the one to initiate, and I've always been quick to, quick to show my love to her, but I've never stopped writing the notes or getting the gifts or going above and beyond. That in our 20 years that I, I've never had a lax moment or season, but that would not be the case. That would not be the truth. I've had seasons as, as Heather's husband where I've not pursued her like I should. But I've, I've not been quick to demonstrate my love to her, that I have not written the note like I did when I was trying to get her to say yes to me. And this is where the analogy, analogy of me pursuing my wife to God pursuing us, it completely breaks down because our God has never stopped pursuing you and me. He's never had a lax moment and thought, oh, shoot, where'd they go? I, I, I got to remind them of my love. I got to remind them of my good news. I, I forgot about so-and-so. He's never had that. You've, you've never left his mind. God has always been the one to initiate and demonstrate his love to us first. Listen to uh, Romans 5, 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were still lost and, and powerless, when we didn't even realize yet we were in need of a Savior, when we were busy walking along and doing life our way, God took the initiative and pursued a love relationship with his creation, a relationship that is real and personal and life-changing and eternity-changing. God relentlessly pursues us because he knows that he is our greatest need. Even though we rebel against him and pursue our, our own sin-filled desires and quests, his desire, his pursuit continues Jeremiah 7.13 says, While you were doing all these things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen. I called to you, but you did not answer. You get that picture of a father trying to call a child. He pursues us because of his unending love for us. Scripture continually describes God's love as unfailing. Right now, God is pursuing you and me out of a heart of love. In this Christmas story, this truth is on display. Matthew 1.23, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Luke 2, 10 through 11, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The word pursue means to uh, search for eagerly to track down, to hunt for someone with relentless abandon, to chase, to run after. The word has this intensity and passion behind it. 
you might think that God could care less about you or that he is too busy with more important things in this world to worry about you. And that's simply not true. God wants you to know and understand and experience his goodness, to walk in freedom from sin, to find hope and forgiveness, to experience what it's like to be loved unconditionally, to be given new life in Christ. Luke 15 is this chapter all about God's pursuit of us and how he, he is just relentlessly going after those that have wandered. And then, when he, and then he rejoices when they are found. It'd be worth uh, you spending some time this week reading Luke 15. In this Christmas story, we see God's great love, his pursuit of us on display, that the baby will be born and he will live a sinless life and he will die on a cross for our sin and three days later he will rise and then he will ascend to heaven and then one day he will come back to judge the living and the dead. Christmas is this reminder that God pursues us, that he keeps his promises that the promise that in the Old Testament that was made, it came to pass when Jesus was born. Our God initiates and he awaits our response. In my own life, I can point to moments and relationships and times prior to me giving my life to Christ where he was pursuing me, where I heard the truth of the good news, but I chose not to respond to it. Or Actually, technically, I did respond to it. I just responded to it with kind of like that child that, hears it and continues to walk kind of in their own direction. So there was a response. It just wasn't a humble response. I can look back to, to see how he was always at work even when I was running, literally running in the other direction. And thinking back to that analogy of a, of a child being called out by a parent, I believe that God is calling you and me out this Christmas season. For those here who don't know Jesus yet, as your Lord and Savior, I want to remind you of the truth that God is pursuing you. You may think that you are completely unworthy of a holy God to pursue you, and you're right. You and I, me being the first one, are completely unworthy and undeserved of such a love, but he willingly and unashamedly loves us anyways. Jesus came to this earth not because we deserve it, not because we're that awesome, not because we, we, we earned it. He did it because he loved us, because of his grace. So the Father is saying, I believe to you, he's saying, come to me. Put your trust in me and not in yourself. Follow me and not yourself. There's no greater act of love that you, that you can give God than to believe in his son that he sent to live and die and rise again for you. John 6, 28 through 29, the people are asking Jesus, what must we do to do the work God's, uh, God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. God is not looking for you to earn salvation, to try harder, to clean up your act. But he's not looking for you to somehow earn his love. He's looking for you to receive salvation, to drop what you're holding and receive it to hear his voice calling you to turn, to come all the way to him, to not come halfway or just stop walking in the other direction, but to hear his loving voice and say, okay, I surrender to you and your lordship in my life. I confess that you're my, my king. I confess that you're my savior. I believe in who you are and what you've done for me. He has been pursuing you, and I invite you to respond to his good news tonight that this Christmas would be different than the rest 
that we wouldn't just sing Silent Night and hold a candle, but, but this would be a, uh, a life-changing or eternity-changing moment for you. Others of you are here and you know Jesus as your Savior and you, you've given your life to Him, but for whatever reason, uh, you've just kind of wandered from Him. And the Good Shepherd, He has been relentlessly chasing you down. Has He not? He's like that. He does not give up. Rather, He awaits for us to give up whatever we are holding on to, whatever we are chasing instead to say, Lord, I surrender. I believe Jesus might be saying to you, Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That thing that you're pursuing, it hasn't given you the rest that you thought it should or that it would because Christ is the only one who is, I mean, Christ is the Prince of Peace. Nothing else and no one else. Others of you are here and you know Jesus as your Savior and you, you, you've got a growing, active relationship with Him. And I simply want to remind you of this incredible truth that we see on display at Christmas, that God pursues us, that He loves us, that He died for us, that as believers in Christ, He gives us the Holy Spirit to dwell with us. Could it be that God is calling you out uh, for something in your life, for something in this next year, a serving role in ministry to or to share your faith with a coworker or a friend, to trust Him with your finances, to, to give up something in your life so you can start to pursue a calling uh, in your life. I, I remember when Heather and I, and God was kind of working this calling of the church on our lives. Uh, it's been 10, 11 years ago, something like that. And He was just kind of relentlessly working on us and using all sorts of different avenues and conversations and relationships to get us to this point. And I just encourage you to say yes to that, whatever that is, no matter big, small, whatever. But just continue to say yes to him, especially in this new year. Let's pray together. For those who are committing or recommitting their life to Jesus, uh, putting their faith and trust in him for the first time or maybe just kind of coming back to him tonight, I invite you to pray after me. May these words be a reflection of your own heart. I just encourage you to pray quietly at your seats and, and talk to the Savior who has been pursuing you and loves you with an unconditional, unfailing love. And Jesus, thank you for loving me unconditionally. I confess that I have gone my own way. I've tried to do life according to me. And today I confess that you are my Savior and you are, you are my Lord. I believe in what you did for me on the cross. And I believe that you are the very Son of God. Teach me to walk in your ways. Thank you for your forgiveness and your grace. I trust in you fully, Jesus. Lord, thank you for your unfailing love for us. Thank you that you never give up, that you, you just continue to pursue us. That in Christ, we have this promise that you never leave nor forsake. And teach us to walk in that truth this week, to respond to your love and, and say yes to you whenever and however. Convict us to run with you with this with the same kind of passion and intensity that you pursue us.
And I pray our love for you might increase, that we would love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We would hold nothing back, but you would be the very center of our lives, that you would be the king of our lives, you would be the Lord of our lives. God, I pray that you would get so much glory in our lives, that that our actions, our attitudes, the way we love one another, the way we treat others, I pray that it would point people to you. I thank you for the good news. I thank you that it is great joy. And I thank you that it's for all people. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.